Hello and welcome to Basic Sports Talk Show. Kelly Stratton along with USA Today baseball editor Gabe Lax. And we're back, episode 59. And, uh, I mean, it does say, I guess, on the Instagram every two weeks or so, or every other week or so, and it's uh, definitely the or so portion of it. <laughs> but, uh, you know, the little one in the house takes up a lot of time, and then, uh, you know, really the baby of your season is uh, kind of growing right now, which is the postseason, Meech. Hey, it happens, you know. It's uh, got to knock the rust off now and again, but uh, <laughs> here we go. Here we go. We're just going to launch right into it because there is so much, but uh, I want to thank everyone for tuning in. And uh, we have been getting a good clip of downloads in the meantime, so we appreciate everyone maybe catching up on some of those episodes as well, too. If you get a chance, jump over to uh, Instagram and give us a follow uh, there. But, uh, Meech, the season is over. I mean, is that a little bit of music to your ears? I mean, obviously you're still working. And in fact, the team in your backyard is now uh, in the playoffs, the postseason as well, too. But um, you got to be happy kind of the season is over. And it's really kind of like a a new story, I guess, uh, moving forward. And especially in this era when so much that you expect to happen happens, not a lot of surprises, a lot of the same teams are back. A couple of fresh faces, but it seems like every year more and more kind of you get to September 1st and you you know what's going to happen already. So it's like, geez, September used to be kind of the greatest month for baseball. Now it's like the worst. There's so many teams playing out the string. There are three or four hundred game losers this year. You know, it's uh, it's you know the, the dominance of teams like the Dodgers and Yankees and Astros is great, but. At the same time, how much more do you need to see them just pounding on inferior teams? So, yeah, for, yeah definitely. Like, let's let's turn the page on that and, and move on to, to something else. Just because the uh, yeah the the dying light of September is is certainly not what it used to be. <laughs> well, before we get into some of that, let's let's look at a couple of probably the biggest stories um, ending the the 2019 season. Um, we'll 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 go you know east to west or even central to west. But let's start with uh, the Cubbies, uh, Joel Madden's, uh, Joel Madden's been there five years now, uh, has been relieved of his duties, obviously did have a world series and also made the playoffs, uh, there with the Cubs, but you know, their first world series and, uh, what is it? 108 years was it or so? Uh, yes, sir. Yep. Yeah. And, yeah. and now he's gone and it's been, you know, uh, would you, would you th- describe his you know uh reign there as uh, fairly short uh, when you when you throw in a world series in a five-year span yeah uh it's i mean such is the life of a manager these days you know you'd think he'd uh, he'd be the classic uh, we'll never have to buy a drink in in uh chicago again and in fact opened his own restaurant uh <laughs> near wrigley field this last year which is pretty interesting but it's just the, you get that sometimes with the oh the shelf life of a guy is only so much and you know obviously Madden's a unique guy and maybe some of the uh, you know some of his witticisms and stuff start to fall on deafer ears as years go on but certainly did nothing to really earn losing his job his I mean, his his contract ran out 
and uh, they decided uh, not to give him another contract. So it's uh, it's not like they fired him with years remaining, but you kind of have to call it a firing. I think he want. I don't think any part of him wanted to leave. You know, I think he's pretty thrilled to be on the free agent market right now because uh, he's going to make a lot of money, or at least uh, you know, relative to in a year when he wouldn't have many suitors. Now there's going to be about a half dozen. But right. yeah, it, it's uh, you know. I, Theo Epstein, the GM president, very big on change is good sometimes and a lot of other kind of executive platitudes, which isn't entirely incorrect. But, you know, at the same time, didn't really do anything to lose his job, just kind of cycled out of there, you might say. I I feel like, you know, if you look at the roster and on paper, the Cubs looked awesome, you know, but obviously they were. Um, burnt by several injuries to key players, obviously. But is this part of? Is this one of those maybe a GM and obviously Theo's resume thinks for uh, speaks for itself? But is this uh, an instance where you look at a GM and he's kind of like, "Look, I gave you the roster, you know, I gave you the players, and we should have got more out of this, uh, more squeeze, you know, more juice out of the orange, maybe than we should, than we did." Yeah, and that's the thing though. He hasn't been perfect himself. Uh, there's a lot of you know, a lot of missteps here and there, uh, whether it was Tyler Chatwood, uh, a bad year with you, Darvish, who rebounded this year. Uh, Brandon Morrow, he brought in to be the closer a couple years ago. He barely threw any pitches at all for the Cubs over two years. So, and Theo will admit that, you know, accountability will start with me, you know, which is all fine and dandy. But uh, it's it's funny in this day and yeah, age. but you still have your job, Theo. <laughs> exactly. In this day and age, you know, uh, GMs are allowed many many mulligans because they're seen as these geniuses and and owners will pay them a lot of money and think, okay, this is going to be, you know, he's going to be the the person to lead us to the promised land. And, uh, you know, they they, they seem to have a a bottomless, you know, trough of mulligans, Uh, whereas managers, if things go wrong, even if it was the GM's players who did not pan out, you know, uh, it's the manager that takes the fall. It's the nature of the beast these days. Uh, yeah, a, a lot of just distressing signs in the industry that way where, you know, like what, uh, you know, who really is, you know, is, is the one on the wall being responsible and being accountable. A lot of things that just don't make sense. But, uh, you know, here we are. <laughs> so obviously there's going to be some suitors, you know, for Madden, but there's going to be a lot of guys that are really angling to get that Chicago uh, Cubs managerial position as well too. Very early. Any front runners that you see? Yeah, you know a lot of speculation that David Ross is going to be the guy who was just a backup catcher Summer on the twenty sixteen team. Yep, and uh, that's uh, you know that'll be really interesting. Mark Loretta, uh, another former uh, sort of a lieutenant there, is is another guy you hear about, uh, but. Yeah, that, that's the thing. How are you going to do better? And can you bring in a guy with zero experience uh, on the bench and, and give him a job like that? It's uh, it's really a lot. That, that's always the, the next unanswered question is, uh, you know, can you do better? I mean, the, I wonder what the Yankees think now, two years into the Aaron Boone experiment. You know, Joe Girardi got them within a game of the World Series in 2017, and a few days later he was gone. Same kind of thing. I think it was a uh, either an option or a contract that had expired. Uh, you know, Boone has won enough games, but uh, you know now he's going to kind of earn his bones here. And, 
you know, if the Yankees go out early again, uh, which I think they might, uh, you know, then suddenly, uh, well, gosh, maybe maybe they shouldn't have been so quick to run off Girardi, but we'll see. All right, well, let's move west because you know our 72, whoops, 77 win Giants. (laughs) (laughs) And I throw a bottle of wine to a young man in Reno for that, that's for sure. (laughs) I mean, look, we, we, we didn't expect the Giants to do much this year. But, you know, there was a stretch there, I guess, in, uh, what was it, August or so. I think they had the best record in baseball for at least a month or so, or very close to it anyway. And they kept things interesting for a little while. Um, They did exactly what uh, you had anticipated that they would do, Faranziti, shuffling through, uh, you know, player after player after player. What do you know? There's a Mike Yastrzemski that pops up as well, too. Maybe a Jalen Davis, who uh, had a home run here late in the season as well. Um, did everything that happened outside of maybe the Giants winning a few more games than you'd possibly thought. But did it go pretty much according to how you thought uh, Farhan would uh, would uh, uh, draw up the blueprints? Yeah, and uh, cycled through a lot of uh, a lot of guys and hit on a few. Ultimately, uh, yeah, I mean, gosh, Kevin Pillar was your Willie Mack Award winner. That was a guy they, Who? which they is interesting because he might not even be here next year. Yeah, yeah. I, th- I think he will. I, I think, think it's possible. Yeah. I think they'll. I think they need a bridge. Contract. I think they need a bridge for one they, more year. Yeah, yeah. and uh, yeah, and that's a that was a random April fifteenth trade. You know, obviously Yastrzemski and. Uh, bounced around a good bit as well so it's uh yeah i i think that they found some things and uh you know i think he has a much better feel for the organization and and for the uh you know the just everything else uh, along with it top to bottom in the minor leagues and all that joey bart's already mashing in the uh, arizona fall league <laughs> so yeah it's uh, i think it's it's all coming uh, coming to fruition bye bye brandon Pretty Bell, nice. move over buster to first i mean like that's what we've been wanting for like the last three years, basically. Yeah, it's it's all it's all sort of coming. It's all coming you. together. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So it's uh, it's yeah. It, it, I think uh, I think the plan is working. I think he's he's putting all the all the right things into place. And uh, uh, it was interesting too to see this Bochi farewell weekend come uh, during a weekend when the uh, you know the Dodgers were were basically. Uh, Sending waves and waves of talent at the Giants, and did, did they sweep them? I can't remember. I, I think they might. I think, I think they might, might have, have actually. Yeah. 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 Uh, so it's kind of funny. Uh, the handiwork of Farhan's previous job is on the field, right, <laughs> showing right. uh, showing how good that they can be. Actually, there was a very funny tweet. Uh, um, <laughs> I can't remember where I saw it, but somebody said, "You know, very nice tribute to Bochi, the Giants scoring zero runs for him." <laughs> <laughs> And you forget what those torture days were like back yeah. in 2010. That was the nature of the team, you know. But, uh, yeah, I think uh, I, there's so much we can't see right now. But from what we can see, I think things are on course uh, as far as uh, as far as all that goes, definitely. Well, I mean, the biggest movie he's going to have to make now is who's going to guide that ship here in the next, you know, three, five, seven years or whatever it's going to be. Um, it sounds like... Uh, in kind of reviewing what they did with the Dodgers. Um, and I think I even saw an article where, you know, and I'll paraphrase a little bit, but Dave Roberts said it was a really long and arduous process for him to get the Dodger managerial position. Meetings, more meetings, dinners, more dinners, you know, ownership, more ownership. And, you know, and essentially what it came down to, according to him, was, 
Like I, he said, I was just myself. I, I was. This is who I am. This is how I want to coach players. This is how I'm going to manage a team. This is how I want to run a baseball game. And it was like, if you like it, great. But if you don't, I, I'm not going to change. This is just how it's it's going to be. And and you have to be okay with hiring me if you're okay with those kind of. Uh, um, you know attributes that I have as a as a possible manager, and and they and it sounds like they went with it. So based on maybe what you know about the hiring process for the Dodgers, what do you see as the hiring process for the Giants? Yeah, that's uh, it's interesting. They came really close to hiring Gabe Kapler <laughs> as their manager, and that uh, of the Phillies. I, yeah, and I uh, I don't know if you'd call it dodging a bullet necessarily, but I think uh, Doc Roberts has been very good for them. So. Yeah, very exhaustive. The one thing that's interesting this time is, uh, you know, the fact that uh, that he's had a year to sit on this, you know, and uh, kind of plot and scheme a bit. Whereas, you know, they, which I guess maybe they had with the Dodgers as well, because they did keep Don Mattingly one year uh, when they the new regime came in. They sort of uh, watched and observed and kind of did the. Uh, and gosh, I just get nauseous saying these words, but the mutual parting of ways with Don Mattingly. <laughs> uh, well, we the, the both wor- just decided it was uh, best to go in a uh, different direction. different direction. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's word salad season, you might say. But uh, yeah, so I guess in theory they, were, they, they might have had a year to really assess that too, knowing that maybe they were going to blow out Donnie anyway. But Gosh, yeah, it's, uh, you know, these are mini CEO positions now, and it's not just managing a game, but being being a conduit from the front office to the players and, and taking the information from the front office and applying it and doing it in a much more challenging position than anyone in the organization because you have to do it in real time, in, in seconds, you know, uh, within the, uh, the context of a, you know, of an ever-shifting baseball game so yeah it's uh you really want to learn as much as you can about these guys and i'm sure he uh yeah he's going to get to to the bottom of it and um yeah it'd be very interesting to see what what direction he does go because there are some interesting options out there well and one of the things that i feel like you have to well it's curious if you are someone who's going to come in and obviously for any manager it's going to be tough coming in and replacing someone who potentially a Hall of Fame manager, three World Series, four pennants, and Bruce Bochy. But I also look at it as you are on the tail end of, you know, the guts of a World Series teams when you look at Crawford, Brandon Bell, Buster Posey. You know, you're you're looking at a real, not even a regime shift as far as managerially, but even on the field, it's a change. But if you're a prospective manager for the Giants, I have to imagine you have to look at the stability of the ownership group and really look to that as kind of the beacon as far as, man, this is an organization or a team that I'd really like to be a part of, even though it's going to take a few years. Right. It's a a really – and in fact, that's kind of a story I'm working on over the next couple of days is kind of ranking the vacancies. <laughs> and uh, yeah, it's... Uh, you, you can quote me and put that in there if you'd like. Uh, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> Endorsements from many quarters. Uh, but it's, yeah, I mean, you know, they, they have money, they spend money, uh, and there's a good deal of stability there. I mean, they even kind of weathered the, the Larry Bear debacle this year, and it seems like the man just can't help himself. He's starting to peek out once again into public view, even though uh, a lot of people were saying it was kind of nice to uh, see other people in the front office get some shine while he was suspended. 
But that being said, yeah, it's uh, you know there's a lot of bones now with this organization, a really good tradition. Uh, the, you know, I think the fans will come back. Maybe not 100% because that's the era we're living in where live attendance just isn't what it was. But, you know, if it was 39,000 before and it was 31,000 this year, you know, they'll, they'll go back back up to 36,000, I would think. And, right, right. and closer to 39 when they start winning again. So it's uh, – yeah, and that, that's what makes it really interesting for Madden. I mean, what do you want? You can – you know, everybody's assuming he's going to go to the Angels. Well – you know, that's not really the greatest job right now necessarily, just yeah. given what's what's in the pike and the organizational instability of the last seven, eight years. I, you know, I think I think the Padres and Giants and possibly the Phillies, if that come open, are probably the best options for Madden. And certainly with, you know, the six-ish uh, vacancies that are out there, you know, the, the Giants are no worse than the top three, certainly. Uh, I, I don't. I see Madden as a fit in the Bay Area. I think uh, people would really enjoy him. I, I question whether he's a fit for the organization. Yeah, right. Maybe not. Uh, not as buttoned down enough because uh, right. he, he. Yeah, he does, and he does have a little bit of that uh, Pennsylvania blue collar streak in him, uh, mixed in with this sort of erudite kind of uh, you know mentality that he has, uh, which is very unique. And he would, you know, he would click amazingly with the media. There's no question about that. But yeah, you're right. It's. Uh, you know whether he'd, uh, and, you know whether Farron would want uh, to contend with what you might call a rock star manager, but I, I think Joe's pretty good at falling in line when he has to. Uh, so yeah, that's uh, that dynamic would certainly be very interesting. The other thing too is he's 65 years old, so you know you figure he'll probably. I think he said he wants to do this another three to five years. You know how close are the Giants? They could be pretty close, right. but. Not as close as the Phillies if that job comes open. Even the even the Mets are kind of close, at least in a very near term kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And then the you know and then the Padres are very far along as well. I mean you uh, you know you go in you, you beat Joe Madden for a year and then you know 2021 is kind of the year the Padres have been pointing toward all along. So yeah, for a 65 year old dude looking for a relative win now thing yeah the, the Giants might not be the top choice, uh, but it certainly wouldn't be a bad place to work. Right. And when you look at, you know, where these vacancies, well, and you're going through it right now and ranking them and, and coming out with something like that. I mean, what, what's the mindset, you know, if you're a manager, if you are a Joe Madden, is that really kind of what it comes down to is, you know, let me look at what they have on the field. Let me look at the ownership group or, you know, is are they even getting a little bit more analytic when you look at new managers? Are they looking at, well, what's in the minor league system? What do they have coming up? You know, is that changed much as much as, say, front offices are looking to more analytics for on the field and players? Are now managerial candidates looking at that as well? Well, they, they have to just because uh, the dynamic has changed. You know, they're not the ones holding the power anymore. Uh, and also they're not getting the money that they used to either. So, you know, it could be like, say you were a Lou Pinella and the Tampa Bay Rays offer you a ton of money to go manage a crappy team. You're like, all right, okay. <laughs> you know, it's, it's money after all. But, uh, you know, the, the leash is ever shorter. The, the money is also shorter than it was. So, yeah, you know, the best way to buy yourself a few years is to come into a really good situation. And there's, you know, there is no guarantee with with the rebuild. So if you you know you come in as a guy, you know, hey, let's build this from the ground up together. Well, you know, it's uh, 
you know, as many teams that have tanked and tried to rebound have proven, there's no no guarantees there. So you want to get to where, you know, it's like catching a wave. You want to get it right as it's breaking. And, uh, you know, that's, that's where the Padres are at, uh, just with so many uh, really good young pitchers in the pipeline. Uh, they're willing to spend some money. And you got the Machado, Fernando, Tatis, Nucleus uh, on the infield there. Really good situation. So, uh, yeah, it's uh, it's a matter of survival for those guys. So you really have to pick and choose uh, your spots. Pick wisely. Pick wisely. Well, I think you know as you look at the end of the season goes, uh, we don't have to go through each division and each winner. I think a lot of what we thought happened happened when you have like Dodgers, you know, uh, Yankees, uh, Astros. Those things kind of came to fruition as we expected. But I guess when you look at um, you know, one of the things we talked about, I think it was around middle of the season, around the All-Star break, and we asked, you know, a couple things to keep an eye on. Uh, one of the things you mentioned was home runs, which just, you know, never really, <laughs> never really stopped. I guess when you look back, you know, on this season now, on the 20, excuse me, 19 season, and not necessarily about who won each division and all that, but what 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 do you take away from maybe twenty nineteen now as we move into twenty twenty the end of the season and then into twenty twenty? Yeah, I think the biggest thing is kind of uh, this pitching shortage. I think that's the best way to put it. Is uh, you know I, I I think that that's the biggest thing the game is suffering from beyond the fact that the ball was really juiced this year. That uh, but I think that exacerbated what the real problem is because. Uh, I think if there's one thing we really found out, it's that, uh, you know, the opener, uh, you know, and all these other sort of um, exotic pitching approaches, uh, they are not a cure-all. They are a workaround, you know. It's uh, And the workaround is when you don't have enough good starting pitching. And uh, you look at the teams that, that did make it, the teams that are in the playoffs in really good stead, uh, you know, a lot of uh, – you know, it goes back to really they, great they had starting front pitching. line pitching, starting they pitching. Did. Yeah. yeah, I mean the, the Astros are ridiculous, the Dodgers are ridiculous, uh, the Braves had enough. You know, they very interestingly constructed team. The Nationals had so many problems and an awful bullpen, but they had three 200 strikeout guys in their rotation, and that kept them afloat. You know, uh, the Cardinals had Jack Flaherty, who is maybe the second best pitcher in the National League right now, and even the Rays. Uh, you know, the for as wacky as they are, uh, you know, Charlie Morton, uh, who they gave the biggest biggest contract in franchise history, thirty million dollars, uh, <laughs> which isn't saying much. But <laughs> hey, he uh, yeah, he was right up there in this in the Cy Young uh, Derby as well. So, but then you, you get beyond that, and you know, teams don't have enough good arms to pull off uh, you know an opener type thing with any consistency. So, I think. Uh, I really think that the industry kind of needs to revisit pitching development again and, and try to grow horses uh, like they used to and not spoon feed them innings and, and all that in the minor leagues. Uh, you know, you may not, uh, you know, you may blow some kids out or whatever, but, uh, you know, you might unearth, you know, a, a Justin Verlander type somewhere in there. If you, uh, you kind of uh, have the mindset of let's, throw all these guys at the wall and see which ones can, uh, you know, can be a, can be a stud as opposed to uh, limiting the innings and trying to get them up quickly to the major leagues and never teaching them how to pitch six or seven innings because right. uh, the equation just isn't adding up right now. Yeah. Well, and, uh, you know, to persevere through a bad inning, you know, part of that is how do you collect yourself mentally and get through this inning to still give your team a chance to win, whereas anytime there's a hint of trouble now, 
uh, and whether it's the way they've been brought up through the system or management's, you know, new theory of great, let's just move them out and bring someone else in in the third inning. Doesn't matter, you know. Um, and so that's something that I think for me is is hoping that they'll move back towards because, uh, you know, these guys aren't they're not learning how to get in, out of situations or how to give up three runs in the first, but still keep your team in it and get to the sixth. You know, right. something like that. Absolutely, yeah. It's uh, and, and just you know, again, I think uh, I think one of the greatest, most underrated stats these days is uh, innings pitched because um, <laughs> not many people do it uh, very much anymore, you know, in terms of getting to 200 innings. And, and you'll, uh, you know, that's, you know, I, I'm not a big war fan in general. I think it works okay for pitching, for or for position players. I think it's absolutely terrible for pitchers because it really doesn't, it, it doesn't, uh, you know, it doesn't account for innings pitched. You'd be, you'd be better off getting to 180 innings and getting hit by a bus <laughs> rather than get to 200 innings and maybe those you know those extra three starts weren't your greatest right went you know go seven innings and give up four runs hey that means a lot to your team you know that's uh that's a whole nother uh chunk of innings that somebody else doesn't have to absorb and maybe it doesn't look so great on your era and all that but you did it you know so right it's uh yeah and so many factors come into that because if you are eating up those innings and you're about to go into a four-game wraparound you know, a Friday to Monday series in Colorado or a band box like Cincinnati, you know, those are important because that, that those were balls fly out of ballparks and, and you have high, you know, scoring games and you're going to cycle through your staff. Right. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, it's, I mean, another story I did a little while back was, uh, the record number of position players pitching, uh, this year, which is just, you know, it's, it's cute for a while, but then it, gets absolutely ridiculous after a while and that's uh yeah you, sandoval jumping on the mound and then actually right. getting hurt i don't know if it had anything to do with that but you never know right and a you know manager looks down his bench and he's like he's down today he's down today uh he's pitched three days in a row uh the other guy we had to ship back to triple a you know uh, so yeah it's uh it's that's just not uh you know it's not cool at all so uh yeah i kind of hope there's a, a correction. we're looking at you know and if i look at the two games that are going on tomorrow night obviously you have the brewers and and uh your nationals there um and i think we both kind of have a little soft spot for the brewers because they were one of the teams that decided to you know put all their chips in the middle and and go after um you know the postseason which they've spent the money they've got the players and i i applaud that but when you look at, say, the, the Rays and the uh, A's, you know, a year ago we were talking about how Tampa Bay was doing the, you know, starter by committee thing. And now here they are in the postseason. Yeah, yes. But they did limit that to a pretty a pretty large degree. Uh, it was maybe something they did once or twice through the rotation. But uh, between uh, Blake Snell and Tyler Glasnow and, and Charlie Morton and uh, – so here's an interesting thing. Um, this young man by the name of Ryan Yarbrough, uh, he is a left-handed pitcher who won 16 games uh, last year for the Rays right. as their bulk guy or one of their bulk guys. In other words, he so uh, basically is in innings four through seven. Exactly, or two right. through yeah, three two through, through seven, six, three through right. Right. He ended up, he ended up being something. Where of you a get vulture. the win after the fifth inning, or where exactly? Where, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, he vultured his way to 16 wins last year. This year, uh, he graduated, you might say, uh, into a guy who, uh, well, I take that back to some degree. He only made 14 starts out of 28. But 
he uh, you know he, he he saw his usage go up a little bit. Not that he totally graduated from having an opener or whatnot, but uh, he uh, definitely you know was used more as a starter. So it's kind of like they you know they put training wheels on a guy and then they they take him off a little bit. And so he uh, you know he was able to start more games and and get a little bit. Uh, a little bit deeper here and there. So, yeah, it's uh, they they ended up looking relatively conventional. Uh, but that's because they just have good arms, period. You know, it's uh, – then you look at teams like the Angels where it was just a hot mess. You know, guys cycling in and out of the rotation, sometimes right. using an opener, all that kind of stuff. You know, so, again, it just gets back to depth of pitching and, and how you properly use it. So, it's uh, – but yeah, yeah. They, again, that that also goes back to Charlie Morton uh, anchoring them with 190 very excellent, almost Cy Young worthy innings. So it's uh, you know as, as funky as they look, they're still kind of normal underneath it all. When you see a team like Tampa Bay, where who doesn't draw and has just done incredible things with the roster and the pitching that they have, do you see this as an opportunity for them to cement themselves in Tampa Bay and not move? Or do you still think this is one of those teams that eventually will be gone in the next three to five years? Uh, nothing ever changes, which is the... It doesn't matter whether they win. Yeah, and the, yeah. I mean, the, the stadium is in a, a bad location. And by that, I mean it's a real pain in the butt to get to. Uh, it's uh, causeways and bridges and all this kind of stuff. I guess it... Imagine, I guess the best way I could put it is imagine the Bay Area and there was a stadium in Marin County, <laughs> which which has its own, you know, chunk of population to be sure, you know, right, right. Um, but you have to go over, you know, right. you have to cross either the Golden Gate or the Richmond Bridge to get there and uh, during rush hour, right. you know, it's just, uh, and, you know, again, it's just this standstill where the owner doesn't want to pay all this money for the stadium but the corporate base might not be there and of course you know public financing they don't really want to do that either because you know tampa needs schools and libraries like everybody else and roads and bridges to say the least so yeah uh 2027 that's the magic year that's when the lease runs out and that's when we'll really see what might happen with them uh they floated the idea this year of uh Splitting time in Canada and building little mini stadiums in both places, which is just kind of ridiculous and prob- probably a trial balloon. But, uh, yeah, no, they're, uh, that's that's just kind of just, you know, eternal limbo. But then, <laughs> but then the team they're playing, the A's, has been in that same kind of, you know, predicament over the last several years. We've started to see some renderings of a possible new A's stadium, small, maybe 32,000 seats, I believe. Well, they're making they're making real progress. They've got a lot of approvals from uh, I mean, they're, you know, they're at the uh, they're down to like the 30-yard line, which is still a long ways away and and still a good ways from the goal line, but yeah, and you can't uh, kick a field goal here. Exactly, exactly. And it's very and a very big year coming up and they've tried to uh, you know, they what they want to do is build at Howard Terminal, which is kind of near the waterfront, uh, sort of a funky area that's underutilized by the maritime industry. Uh, but they also want to retain development rights to the Coliseum area. Uh, so it's basically we'll build the stadium, but we'll recoup some of the costs by you know building condos or wherever so, where the yeah, kind of like what they did at Candlestick, where they you yeah. know built the condos there now, yeah, at Candlestick exactly. Point. Candlestick Point, exactly, which is still probably cold as hell. Right, but, uh, right. 
Yeah, and but again, that brings to mind, you know, what what sort of kickback is that then? You know, for obviously a, a city that needs, you know, and a region that needs affordable housing desperately. So they are going to go before the Oakland City Council sometime in the next uh, four to six months, and uh, that'll be a, a really big, uh, you know, really big thing of whether that's going to happen or not. But they're they're getting there. They've actually uh, gotten some W's. Uh, with the port authority there and with the legislature in Sacramento. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's, and it's, it is going to be one of those smaller stadiums too. It yep. Like. Exactly. Yeah. Yep. Which is the way they build them now. Uh, just cause, uh, the live sporting experience is, uh, is a dying and breed. Possible in game betting. Yeah, exactly. There you go. You never know. <laughs> <laughs> we get on the ballot here in Colorado. Uh, yeah, I just saw that, that yeah. courtesy of our friend Mr. Blair there. Yeah, yep. it's, uh... so that's coming our way. I think I, I believe in November uh, the vote comes through, or it's obviously one of several uh, items on the ballot. But if it passes, uh, there'll be legal in-game or sports betting uh, here by May of 2020, so less than a year. Yeah, and I think, you know, I, I really think that there's a, a certain be careful what you wish for element to this as it regards either uh, states or municipalities that want to make money or generate tax revenue off gambling or sports teams that want to make it a cornerstone. I think, of, I think of, it's all about water. Water, uh, the taxes from this will be for water development for the future. Oh, my gosh. Okay. Like well. Right, yeah. I'm in favor of water. <laughs> it's kind of essential. Uh, but, you know, again, I, you know, we might have even mentioned this very thing on the show. Uh, betting on sports is hard, you know, and you'll have your, your your degenerates and your, you know, pros and your wannabe pros who just swear that they're right around the corner from, uh, you know, breaking even or making a, you know, making a killing or whatever. Me but, after every NBA game. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> After your bi- biannual parlay, uh, but uh, it's you know it's it's really hard, and you know for the average Joe Q public guy, you know who uh, would uh, go into the uh, you know arena adjacent casino or whatever and make his bets or her bets, and you know like, well, damn, I lost again, you know, and right. if, if you don't, if you're not, you know, you don't have the gene to get addicted to gambling, you're going to go, well, I can't afford to do that, or I'd. Uh, you know, for the 20 bucks I just blew, I could have had a beer and a hot dog or, uh, you know, paid my cable bill and watched or, it all. Or, or gone to the game. <laughs> exactly. Yes. So yeah. it's, uh... I, you know, it's tough. And I mean, to, I mean, I'm only half joking, but uh, you know what? Once, once a year we go to Las Vegas and I, you know, I bet some NBA games and I've done really well. I mean, the NBA is something yes. though I watch constantly you know season tickets and tnt and espn and the nba package and yes you know and so you know now uh, am i betting enough to worry about the uh, little one's college tuition absolutely not so (laughs) you know but what's funny is as someone who you know played baseball and then played baseball in the minor league you would think that's what i would gravitate and it's absolutely the last thing i want to bet on is is baseball <laughs> nor it's do really i even it, it's yeah. really hard and and so uh you know i don't pretend to if anything i i've asked you and mr blair several times like you know the plus minus and you know the odds with the baseball games and don't necessarily understand it and don't get it basketball i've started to figure out a little bit i have a bit more fun doing it um but you know i i just uh i, I look at and even football you know for that matter since i don't follow it much at all i've, I've completely just lost any interest in betting on any football game so 
it's it's tough because you I could see someone who is a big fan of basketball and a big fan of baseball and being, you know, rolling up into the window and betting on any of them and all all of them thinking that they know, but it's just, it's so much above and beyond. Right. Exactly. It's uh, there's a lot to it. And, uh, you know, again, it's, uh, it's luck. It's, uh, I mean, you know, there's, there's odds on every game, but, uh, the bottom line is it's a 50-50 chance every time. You know, you're either going to win the bet or you're not. Right. Uh, and it's, you know, what do they say? You know, a broken clock is correct twice a day. Yeah, it's, uh, yeah sometimes, you, sometimes you run into one and it makes you – it reinforces this notion like you know what you're doing. <laughs> and, and maybe you do, you know, uh, but, you know, probably you just happen to – to land on the right side, you know, um, what, you know, and baseball is different because the odds are different, you know, with the football, basketball, you've got your point spreads and they're pretty, pretty well in the neighborhood, you know, baseball, you got to sort of pick the odds and look at what might be a good value and all that kind of stuff. Uh, you know, same thing with hockey, but yeah, uh, I mean, heck you've watched enough NBA games to know that if it's 16 and a half points, doggone if it isn't, uh, you know, a 15-point game with a minute left. And do they try to foul or not? Do they dribble it out? Yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's I, and it's so – what's so – I mean, when you look at basketball, you know, to me it's it's usually – there's several things that factor into it, obviously. It's like who's in the starting lineup, obviously. Is anyone injured? That's usually typically number one. Uh, but then you even look at schedule. Who, who did they play last? Was it a big game against the Lakers or – you know, was it a back-to-back? Were they in Minnesota last night and they're in Denver tonight? You know, there's there's factors that play into it. Whereas, you know, baseball, it's who's pitching. What do they do right. when in their last start? What are they playing in Colorado or are they playing in San Francisco? Two is it a day game? Is it a night? You know, there's just so right. many factors as well. Um, it's fun. It's part of to me. It's part of what makes it fun. But it's also why, you know, they're Vegas and you're not. Right, exactly. Yeah, it's uh, it's tough to beat the house. <laughs> right, right. So I don't know. It'll be, you know. Well, I guess you know. And kind of speaking, well, it's not betting, but kind of along the lines of new laws being passed. Uh, did you see our home state of California pass their uh, law for NCAA oh, boy. athletes? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. <laughs> and everybody's freaking out. <laughs> the NCAA is freaking out. Yes. Yep. You know I mean? Absolutely. So, and, uh, for anyone who didn't know or doesn't know, the uh, um, Gavin Newsom signed into law where college athletes can profit off their name and likeness. So, um, you know, you come in as the, you know, big recruit at Cal Berkeley, and you're the big man on campus for uh, as the quarterback, and um, someone wants to what? I guess invite you to sign autographs for five hundred bucks. Uh, you can do that now. Yep, absolutely. And uh, you know, good point. Uh, listening to uh, author and columnist John Feinstein on the local uh, ra- news radio station here, and you know, good point he raised is because everybody always says, well, "What about the tennis player? What you know?" Hey, the, the tennis player. The tennis player can, wouldn't exist without the football player. Well, and beyond that, they can now, you know, say, I, you know, I'm, uh, you know, I'm Stacy Johnson. I play number two singles for Florida women's tennis, and you should come pay me a hundred dollars an hour to teach your child how to play tennis. You know, suddenly you can. Yeah. Hey, that's great. You right. know, you can leverage your position as a student athlete. I'm the number one player in the SEC. 
Right, exactly. Right. Yeah, it's a uh, you know slash golfer slash anybody like that. You know, you can't just you don't just have to like you know curl up in a ball and pretend you don't exist mm-hmm. unless you are representing your school between the white lines. Uh, you know, it, it's yeah. It, because because I can tell you right now, I can remember doing a baseball camp at Utah for free. The whole right, baseball yep. team goes. Does it, not not that I'm complaining about it. Was happy right. to do it. Uh, I can tell you that that tennis player at Florida, especially for an underfunded sport like that, they probably do camps to raise awareness with uh, and have kids come in, and they probably do something like that probably already. Maybe and already. The money, and the money just goes to the head coach probably because that's probably in their contract. Right. You know? and, yeah, it, you know. it, it offsets what they have to pay that coach. Right. Right. Exactly. Yep. 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 You'll get uh, X thousand dollars a year plus camp and shoe revenue. You know. No, it's what, it's what everyone so... needs to understand, and everyone wants to talk about. Well, what about the field hockey team, and what about the swim team, and all these non-revenue bearing sports? Listen, I come from that. You know, baseball. It, certain schools have figured out a way to make money and play. You know, in, in baseball, Oregon State's probably one of them. I'm sure there's several others. You've seen some L- of these LSU. New, yeah, yeah, you've seen some of these new stadiums that are just amazing, and they've really started to promote college baseball, and they've started to turn the corner and make money. But the vast majority of them do not. I have no problem giving, you know, props to the football team and the basketball team who brings in multi, you know, hundreds of millions of dollars so that I can play, so that I get right. a scholarship. I don't have any problem with that. It is what it is. But I also don't have any problem with if, you know, we have the, uh, you know, top running back in the nation – and not only would I love to see him, but if he wants to go out and sign autographs and, uh, you know, he gets to make a little bit of money off his jersey sales because it's his likeness, more power to him. Uh, you know, that's that's what brings other players to that college. That's what puts other, um, you know, recruits, uh, that puts that college on the map for them to even mm-hmm. maybe consider. You know, for years and years, what? USC used to be called tailback U, right? I mean. Yes, yeah. <laughs> and to say nothing of students in the college as well. I mean, we, you know, here in uh, northern Virginia, we have a lot of kids who end up down south. And I, I do know that some partial reason for it is just awareness that Alabama exists, you right. know, that Auburn exists. You know, it's a... Uh, it's really, you know, there's yeah. a, a classmate of ours I, I've noticed on Facebook, um, and I, I won't say his name because I don't know if that's – but his kid goes to Clemson now. I, tell me oh, who wow. would have known, who, who, where he would have known. If, and I've seen picture. They've been to some football games. It looks right. awesome. You know, it looks like they're having a blast. But being from Northern California, and I wouldn't know, but I have to guess if it wasn't for the Clemson football team, that you know, outside of maybe some family connection, how, how else would you know or or even be interested in a school like right. that? You know, absolutely. And that 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 on its on its surface is kind of unhealthy, but hey, it happens. You know, it's the shiniest. Uh, you know, maybe uh, yeah. I mean, and it's not to say that it doesn't happen in other vocations as well. You know, we just don't see it as much. We don't see it on ESPN every Saturday night at 8 p.m. You know, I mean, I'm I'm sure there are a lot of kids totally fired up over a school's robotics team. You know, uh, and eventually it's 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 esports team and it's debate team. I mean, it, you know, it, all that stuff exists. It's just on a far different scale than than football and and basketball, basically, because they're. In front of us, they make a lot of money, and and they, uh, you know, they command primetime TV. But yeah, it's just been really interesting, though. The all the 
All the usual uh, concerns are being raised, a ridiculous statement by the Pac-12 commissioner, you know, uh, which is hilarious because he ought to be dancing in the streets that his teams are the ones that are going to benefit from this because <laughs> he's absolutely driven the conference into the ground otherwise. But, you know, hey, whoa, what if there's a bidding war? So what? You know, right. again, I and how many, you know, I swear to God, how many times have we brought this analogy up on this show and I always I always use the same school and the same sort of wording but you know if you're the quarterback of Ohio State and Columbus Ohio Chevrolet wants you to do a commercial <laughs> you know because at that point in time you are the biggest man in town and outside of probably the head coach who's already got a car from Columbus Chevrolet yes exactly and seven million dollars more but again you know, your name, image, and likeness will never be bigger in that town than right then. And, you know, not everybody plays in the NFL. And, uh, you know, right. so it's... And uh, here's what I, 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 I find really interesting as well, too, is you hear a lot about, um, uh, you know, professional athletes when they get done with their career. Uh, there was even just some interesting um, quotes, and uh, if you've been watching, we're talking about Bochy's day and Tim Lincecum was there and they did yes. a, and I don't, it might've been Baggerly, but I don't, I don't know for sure, but there was an article and, you know, he was basically admitting he's, he's having problems kind of transitioning out of baseball. He hasn't even necessarily retired yet, you know, but he's, he's having a, a little bit of an issue just kind of, uh, you know, what's next? Who right. am I now? What do you do? Yeah. But what I always find interesting about that. I have a lot less, um, I don't feel as bad for guys like a Tim Lincecum, um, and it's nothing personal about them making their millions of dollars and then having a tough time, you know, transitioning out of Major League Baseball or basketball, whatever it is, into normal life. I, I almost I feel a lot more sympathy or empathetic to college athletes who had maybe a great career, who really were a, just a fantastic basketball player, really good, but maybe just not quite good enough to make the NBA. Because you're still only 22 years old, right. you're still only 23 years old, and, and that adu that adulation is so fresh, and it's right there, and, and it's you know, right there, and, and you really yeah. are just now starting to become an adult, you know, and get right. and and now you're 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 done with your college athletics. To your point, you may not be any bigger at any time in your life than you are then, which is probably 99 and a half percent true. And it's like, okay, well now what's next? And it's like, man. I've, I'm in the prime of my life right now. I'm 22 years old. I'm in the best shape of my life. You know, I feel the best. I, I have the world by the tail and you're done. That's it. You know, and right. and you didn't make any money. You didn't make $30 million over the course of your career, you know, and so for... But these, probably made an awful lot of money for your coach. And for, for your, your coach. Yeah. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Exactly. You know, and so for these guys not to be able to take advantage of a situation where you know they can do this uh right now look at uh you know i think back if uh you know some of you will remember bo kimball hank gathers loyola marymount the run and gun you know they yep. were 14500 bo kimball never made it in the nba you right. know, he never made million i think he ended up being an executive maybe with the knicks or something like that but let's just put that scenario where bo kimball hank gathers were two of the biggest names in college basketball for a couple of years um, unfortunately before obviously Hank Gathers passed away, but just think of the money and the amount of money that, a, 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 a Bo Kimball could have made off his likeness or even in that, because two years later he was out of basketball. He wasn't in right. the NBA anymore. 
Right. So, he, uh, in fact, I, he played three seasons in the NBA. Yeah. That's, yeah. uh, yeah, that's, and yeah, I, I, my gosh, you know, <laughs> immediately, you know, not to, not to say he should be cashing in on the tragedy necessarily, but you know, yeah, that was such a big deal. And, you know, I mean, you know, why not, uh, you know, why not cut a book deal? <laughs> Bo Kimball, my story, you know, with a million right. dollar advance, you know, that, right. uh, if that if that's what it came down to, you know, that's uh, wow. Bo Kimball is 53 years old now. Introduce me to Eric B. and Rakim. Yes. On that trip to Europe. Yeah. Yeah, famously. Yeah. famously. <laughs> yep. Oh, Amazing. But I, I, I'm just I, I'm I'm wondering what the repercussions are going to be. Uh, what's interesting is that it happened in the middle of the season. Right. Right. You know, well, in the middle of the football season, I guess, obviously, um, the start before the like, when but does it, when is, does it uh, kick in? It How does it kick in? in? It, it kicks in in 2023. They okay. sort of just uh, but it is recruiting season. Uh, I know there's a lot of uh, I know there's an early signing. Your, your freshmen now will be seniors in 2023. Right. Yeah. yeah. And on top of that, the uh, you know, yeah, you're a you know, you're a kid right now deciding between uh USC and well, here's the thing too. It does split the Pac-12 in half, you know. Uh, but when the other thing with right. that is, yeah, that, UCLA, USC, Cal, right. Stanford, who are able to possibly uh, do something like this for their recruits, whereas the Utahs, the Colorados, uh, you know, everyone else can't. To think that a Cal State Fullerton baseball player might make more money than a. <laughs> Arizona basketball player. Although from what we've been hearing about Arizona, that's probably not the case. But uh, yeah, but the, the the other part of that is is will that put pressure on you know other states? You know, especially you know how how crony and regional and everything and publicity seeking state politicians are. You know, you know some guy. Yeah, if Ohio you know, State starts losing recruits to USC, you could yeah. be damn sure that they're going to put this law in the books ASAP. Exactly. There's going to be, and you know, just you know, with Arizona being right across the border there, you know, some guy is going to introduce the, uh, you know, protect the Sun Devils and Wildcats Bill AB one oh nine seven. You know. <laughs> And put his name on it and all that, and you know, it's the especially it, because it'll bring a whole new meaning to protect our sports. Exactly, yeah, and you know, you got to figure that there's a healthy amount of alums uh, in various state houses across the country. So, uh, yeah, that's uh, the domino effect of this is really some. And again, you know, all going back to Ed O'Bannon, uh, who first filed this suit, a guy who is exactly our age. He was class of ninety. Uh, right. You know, it, and he. You know, it just has Again, been... uh, just like Bo Kimball, he probably played three years in the NBA. Um, was yeah. Kind of, was kind of a tweener. Maybe uh, five. Well, here's the thing, too. He tore up his knee his freshman, even before his freshman year at UCLA. He, uh, yeah. uh, he was the you know most acclaimed recruit in a really long time and, and was never quite the same player again, good enough to get drafted in the first round by the Nets. And he played... Three, two seasons. Right. Wow. Right. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's I mean, really it's something. just, it's case in point right there, which maybe leads to part of the reason why, you know, he obviously, uh, uh, you know, was one of the major players in getting this lawsuit, you know, brought um, because he was never bigger than he was UCLA right. at O'Bannon. And he, you know, he, uh, you know and he, was the was part of the 1995 uh, championship, championship team? Yeah, Sydney. 
Kevin yep. Bannon, yeah, all of those guys, and that uh, you know that that was their first championship since what the Wooden days, I believe. Yeah, so that was Jim Herrick. That, that was a huge deal, and uh, so he saw firsthand. Wow, you know this. Uh, you know, Jim Herrick made a ton of money. The school made a ton of money. I made a few bucks in the NBA, but, uh, you know, didn't get to. Uh... I mean, I think of, uh, you know, we can look at Scooter Barry, uh, a friend of mine who was part of the Danny and the Miracles. You know, Danny right. Manning's yep. Yep. Uh, Kansas Absolutely. National Championship team. You know, Danny <laughs> Manning went on to make money, but the Miracles didn't. <laughs> we'll go back to that, that UCLA team. Remember Toby Bailey? Yeah, you know, absolutely. He, uh, who played – a season in the NBA, two seasons. Okay, <laughs> that's funny. He yeah. was man. The Lakers drafted him. I don't remember that at all. Yeah. That's funny. Um, I ended up playing with Phoenix for a couple of years, but you know, Toby Bailey was a freshman in that game. Uh, you know, he could have. Uh, you can't tell me he couldn't have. Uh, you know, <laughs> done some uh, commercials or anything. Uh, right. You know, in his subsequent three four years at UCLA after winning a title as a freshman. How much so. money did that 1995 team bring to UCLA? Right. Uh, how much recognition and yeah, you know, uh, it's just, it, it, yeah, I, I'm just, I'm so glad California did it. Uh, I hope other states do it. It's such a, the NCA, you know, as we've said numerous times are just, it's a criminal organization. So, uh, sucks when some of your money starts to get taken away. They could say it's for the benefit of the students. You can say it's, Hey, you're getting a free education, free education or not. It doesn't compare. I'm sorry. It just doesn't. Right. Absolutely. No, it's, and again, I, uh, not that I ever had a strong stance on this one way or the other back in the day, uh, but I kind of leaned toward, eh, don't pay them. You know, we're talking 25 years ago. Right. Uh, but again, when the revenue goes from millions to billions, I mean, and, right. uh, billions. I mean, that's the thing. No, nothing changes for the athletes. Uh, yeah. It's just, it, it literally don't know what to do with the money. Let's build a, you know, Clemson built a lazy river, which, <laughs> Probably the players don't even get to go in. They just show it to the recruits. You know, uh, the coach makes $3 million, Well, let's pay him $5 million. Well, let's yeah. pay him well, $8 million. flat screens in each locker and an Xbox and a PlayStation. Right. Exactly. They don't and know what to do with all this money. Now, the, strength, the, the strength coach makes one hundred and fifty grand. let us make it seven hundred grand. Right. You know, We want I mean, to get the best. We want the best for our student-athletes. Oh, yeah. Gosh, goodness gracious. I love it. Well, big middle finger to the NCAA, California. I appreciate it. (laughs) Well, Mr. Lax, it was good uh, getting episode 59 out there. Good to hear your voice again. I know you've been busy, but uh, hopefully now as the playoffs start, we didn't get into too much baseball and predictions, but I figured let's let's play a few games. Let's let it play out a little bit. We'll circle back uh, hopefully middle or so of next week once the uh, first two games are done tomorrow night and then the series start. I think it'll be fun to do it that way. Yeah, what the hell. And it's like like you said, it's like on and popping tonight. A lot of stuff going on. So, uh, yeah. yeah, let's go. <laughs> a lot of stuff happening. Training camp at the NBA opened up. Uh, let's see. Well, a couple teams today, uh, a couple teams yesterday as well too. So we'll start ratcheting up the NBA news as we get a little bit closer to tip time. Which uh, starts a little bit earlier this year. I think they start around the third week of. I think it's the yes, third week of October. I noticed been, when I got our tickets for the Nuggets, it started. They've early. been they've been doing that lately. Yeah, yeah which which is good because it used to be man. Opening night used to be on Game One of the World Series, which was just a drag. <laughs> it's like why uh, why are the top 
trending topics of the nation right now, Steph Curry, Draymond, and LeBron. I don't get it. Doesn't anybody care about the World Series? So <laughs> they get opening night out of the uh, out of the way a little earlier. And I think that ha- that was a load management thing. Like let's spread the footprint. Spread of the it out a little. Out. Well, and you yeah. know, each year they're trying to get less and less back to backs. So that, this helps with part of that. So that's uh, definitely some of the issue there. And then I know uh, I think a couple teams go to India this year. Uh, oh wow! Like regular wow. season games, yeah, first time ever. So I think it's Sacramento and Indiana are going to India, it's kind of like what baseball does, where you know, first regular couple regular season games, uh, they start off in India. Wow, that's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. interesting. So be fun to hear how that goes as well. So a lot of stuff coming up, a lot of sports coming up, some different seasons, uh, the end of the baseball season. So we'll hear a lot more from Mr. Lax, uh, maybe hear a lot more from Mr. Brian Blair as, uh, the votes on gambling start coming in over the next mm-hmm. uh, month or two. It can't just be here in Colorado. I'm sure there's several other states that have this on the ballot as well too. So it'll be interesting to hear about that. Uh, and then, uh, hopefully we'll hear a little bit more. Well, a little bit more about, uh, where the uh, Giants and, well, the Cubs, too, go with their uh, managerial selections as well, too. But it uh, be interesting to hear. So want to thank everyone for tuning in. I uh, want to thank USA Today Baseball editor Gabe Lax for jumping on again as well. This is Kelly Stratton. We'll talk at you soon.